0: Hello, Rebels. I have something big to share with you today. You all know my debt story with my dad and the debt he put my family in. If you don't, listen to episode two of season three with Christian Bryce from Millennial Revolution, where they interview me about losing the family home and the debt story. And this debt story has inspired the Rebel Business School, the Rebel Finance School, and me being on a mission to help people make money without going into debt because debt can have a huge negative effect on people. And we've experienced this through the Rebel Finance School over the last couple of years of running it. We were shocked at one family we helped through it that had a 50% interest rate. Yes, you heard that right. 50% interest rate on some of their loans in an overdraft. That's crazy. Like We worked out if it was set to minimum payments, they would never pay it off. I mean, that's financial slavery and this should not happen. I know people have to take responsibility too. They took that debt on, they bought stuff, and we all have to take responsibility and not take on that debt. But the financial industry, they should bear some of the responsibility too, and it should not happen. So I want to ban... Advertising of high interest rate, and I'm defining high interest as above twelve percent. And those of you who know about this stuff know, credit cards are averaging nineteen to twenty four at the moment. So this would affect all of those and all the different companies. I want to ban high interest rate loan advertising because it's just bad for people. It's bad for families. It's bad for us. It's financial slavery. We put cigarettes behind screens. We've stopped cigarettes being advertised because they're bad for your health. Why aren't we doing the same with the finance industry and controlling them, pushing this debt on people? You've got shops that offer credit cards on their desks. You've got pay Now Pay Later schemes. You've got payday loans. You've got Amazon who every time you buy something now offer you their own credit card and they move the no button every time. I mean, this stuff should be illegal. They literally move the no button. So you have to pay attention to what you're doing. Otherwise they auto sign you up for a 20% something interest credit card. But this is crazy. These companies hire the smartest people in the world to make money out of you. They do this by dressing up debt as finance and pay buy now, pay later and take control of your payments and all these nice terms to make us feel like we're getting a good deal. Whereas actually, they're just putting us into debt and making money out of us. I think they're destroying your financial future and the people who take these loans as financial future and they should not be allowed to get away with this. They should not be allowed to promote it. So I'm doing something about it. I've started a petition. At the moment, it's only for the UK. But if you're in the UK, you can start a petition for the government. And if you get 10,000 signatures, the government will discuss your proposal. And I have proposed that we ban high interest rate advertising, advertising of high interest rate loans and debt. It's just wrong. And if we get over 100,000 signatures, it will be discussed in the UK Parliament. And they said there's a chance we'll be asked to go up there and talk about it. So if you're in the UK, please, will you sign it for me and help me tackle the debt epidemic that's happening? And it's getting even worse in the cost of living crisis that's going on at the moment. All you have to do is go to alandonnegan.com forward slash debt. And there is a link to the petition petition does not have an easy to remember link. So I've created that page to get you there. Just go to alandonnegan.com forward slash debt. If you're in the UK, please help me by signing it now. If you're in the USA, please tell all of your UK-ish friends. I don't know what the plural is for UK people, um, but please tell anyone in the UK to help us. And we're working to ban the advertising of all loans and debt above 12% plus base rate. This is going to affect most credit card companies and a huge swathe of the financial industry. This predatory lending has to be stopped and it's gotten worse with the cost of living crisis. So please help me make the banks, the finance companies take responsibility for what they're doing. I would love you to help me sign the petition and let's get this heard. Let's get this predatory lending ended. All you need to do is go to alandonnegan.com forward slash debt, sign the petition, share it and help me get it out there. And let's stop debt having such a negative effect on us. Thanks for listening to the show. Thanks for being a rebel. And thanks for helping me to change the world just a little bit more positively. Sales is one of the most important things any business has to do. Without new sales, without fresh customers, without people spending money with you, you don't have a business. And yet, it's one of the hardest things to learn how to do comfortably. So welcome to the Rebel Entrepreneur Coaching Series and the Sales Learning Episodes. The extraordinary belongs to those that create Rebelling against business plans and debt rebelling against what society expects of us to build cool businesses, make money, have fun and do good. Let's create something extraordinary together. Welcome to The Rebel Entrepreneur. We are back with Christina from Fresh Print Media. Hello, Christina. Hello, good morning, Alan. (laughs) Good morning. And we're in our sales episodes. This is the second one specifically on learning sales and getting to grips with it. It's one of those skills that for any business owner, learning sales is incredibly important. But I've met so many people that just want to hire a salesperson, find someone else to do it for them and avoid it at all costs. And I was one of those people that just didn't want to do it when I was starting my business either, because I found it painful and uncomfortable. I didn't know how to do it. And I struggled massively and I put off doing it. But the thing that I realized over the years is the best salesperson for the business was me, like my passion, my enthusiasm, my energy for what we're doing. And if I could actually get past myself and my weirdness, then I could build quite a cool business selling it myself. And we did the first episode last week, which we entitled how to learn sales, but we ended up pretty much talking about sales and the philosophy the whole way through. And you had some specific homework after the episode, Christina. Tell us what happened. What have you been thinking about sales? What have you been up to since we last spoke?
1: Since we last spoke, I dove into um, Brian Tracy, as you recommended on youtube so there's a number of um, longer talks that he does that are on other channels but he does have his own channel and there's a lot of kind of short and snappy um you know like kind of five to ten minute videos which is really nice to break down and digest very specific on each like sub facet of sales there's actually a lot of other like kind of business um ones on there that I, i want to watch but i was trying to focus on the sales ones for the time being and then as um kind of a extra i've just finished reading this book called never split the difference written by chris voss who is an fbi negotiator and i think when i picked it up i was like yeah i'm gonna go out there and i'm gonna like i don't i'm i'm gonna negotiate my way into anything i want which you can (laughs) do you can do right the tools will help you do that but not in the way you think you think i'm gonna be like a ruthless negotiator and i'm gonna like Almost manipulate, right? Manipulate. Yes. But um, it's really more about psychology and uh, a lot of the same principles that come up in the sales and it's a lot of really the same, the same stuff. So um, I found it very interesting how there was so much crossover because you don't think of a hostage negotiation and a business <laughs> deal necessarily being the same. But I like how he says, like, this does apply. Like, you're just taking the most extreme example of a negotiation and then going backwards. But it's the same. He's like, a lot of times when people talk about win-win, it's not. It's a lose-lose because everyone's giving up something they want. So it's like, how can you negotiate and everyone gets what they want and is happy? And that's, as, that's kind of interesting. And it's interesting how much it crosses over with the other like sales-specific
0: talk. Well, business is very similar in terms of when you're selling, you're trying to create a deal where they win, they get something they want, uh, and you win, you get paid for doing the work that you want to do. And you're trying to negotiate that deal. And a lot of sales is about understanding the other side. So it's understanding what do they actually want? What are those actually their problems? Where are they actually focused? And I'm assuming that I've never done hostage negotiation and I hope never to partake in it, but it's a similar thing. What does this person want? Why are they angry at this situation? Why have they done what they've done? What are they actually trying to achieve through doing this? I'm assuming that's a similar sort of thing.
1: Yeah, very much. Like what do they want? What's, what's really driving them behind the scenes, like the deadline, who's really in charge, who's, you know, the why of it are, you know, so it's, it's, crazy. It's very similar. And there's because they might have currents underneath that they're not necessarily telling you and you have to figure out. Um, and it's the same with sales. Like, you know, the customer might be saying one thing, but there might be a hesitation or there might be, you know, maybe there's someone above them that they're also trying to please, or there's some kind of needs or wants that they don't know how to, there's some sort of needs or wants that they, um, uh, they don't know how to express. So I, have picked up on that. It's listening for all those and trying to pick up on those cues and
0: between the lines. Yeah, it's really interesting as you go through it. So let's let's dive into what you've actually been learning this week because I think it's fascinating. One of the episodes from season one was with a gentleman named Sean Jenkins. <laughs> he brought he built a huge business uh, called Benefit Focus. We had a really good chat about business, and it was fascinating how much we'd studied the same stuff. We both studied Jim Rohn. We both studied Brian Tracy, and it was incredible, the overlap between what we'd learned to build our businesses. And I don't often recommend other people's content, but Brian Tracy, his stuff is great. And he's got so much great content out there (coughs) that's free without even getting his courses. It's unbelievable. So run me through. What did you look at? What did you search for with Brian Tracy? And what really struck you the most through this sales stuff that you've been learning?
1: So initially, I just um, went on YouTube and put, put, or typed in Brian Tracy. And there were a number of longer videos, which when you're eager to dive into something is maybe not the best um, because I'm impatient. So I ended up starting <laughs> off with the, the shorter ones. Um, and he actually has quite a few on his own channel is a series. So I really dove into the sales specific ones on his channel. Most of them are five to 10 minutes. And I've got a list if you want to go over anything specific, but I mean, even though they focus on maybe different facets of the sales process or different subtopics, it kind of distills down to the same things overall. Like there's a lot of repeated themes throughout.
0: So, what were the repeated themes? What kept coming up?
1: Uh, Relationship is everything. Nurturing relationships is important. Listening to customers or potential customers, being a likable, friendly people person, generally trustworthy. And it's, he is saying, you know, the, the days are gone of that like classic salesman. Now it's fostering relationships over time and then being there when. They want to, you know, to capitalize on the need when it does arise. But it's really about the long game and building relationships.
0: I love that. I love that because that's definitely been my experience in sales is you find someone, you make friends, you connect, you find out what they need. And over the years, you work with them and help them to get what they need. And one of my biggest customers then I was selling training courses was Microsoft And I made friends, I connected, I delivered great value. And I ended up working with them for 10 years, running different courses, all sorts of different bits. And whenever they needed something, we would speak about what they need, what I could do. And it was just a really good relationship. We just, you know, we would made friends. It worked brilliantly. And they hired me whenever they needed something. And if we can find those you probably only need, Christina, five, six clients that hire you repeatedly each year for different campaigns. I think when people think about this, they think about selling vast volumes every day and keeping selling. But actually, when you get to it, if you can get five or six great clients, it's amazing what that does for your business. Absolutely amazing.
1: I think um, I think for me, it's a bit of a mindset change too, because I've always been uh, wanted to do I've always wanted to see instant improvement. I've always been—it's been hard for me throughout my life to to work towards something, not being able to see the results right away. And so, really embracing and living in that whole thought of, okay, this is this is a process. You're not going to go out, make one offer, take one reach out, <laughs> and then immediately book that thing. Right? That's yes. very very rare, especially with I think a service because. That's more of like, uh, there is a, that's a relationship based transaction because you're working back and forth together to create something. So with a product, maybe you can just plop it on Amazon and have a little better luck with (laughs) just putting it out there. But services, that's rare, but I just have to, I really accept and embrace that, you know, it's uh, this process. That we've been we've been doing, but you know, it would be nice to be like, oh, sent an email, oh, there's fifteen thousand dollars, cool. <laughs> done. <laughs> there's
0: the order, I'm done. <laughs> Next.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> but it's not like that. It's not a gumball
0: machine. So No, and it's really interesting. It's also it like one of the things my wife says to me regularly is it's not linear. And linear is where you make one phone call, do one proposal and get one order. You know, you do one thing and you get a result back and sales is definitely not like that. You have to do many, many, many things before it starts to come in. And then actually after, I don't know, three months, six months of effort, maybe even longer, it all starts to kick in at the same time towards the end of doing this regular effort. But what most people do is they give up before they get to that point where the regular effort has paid up and they're like, well, I've contacted this person three times. They never reply. or I've spoken to them once and they're just busy. And then they just give up and they never follow up. They never follow through and they give up just before it's going to come through. And actually that's what I did many times is what everyone does. Human nature is, Oh, I've tried so hard and I'll just give up before the results come through And I guess giving an example of that, I plan this podcast very far in advance because I want to have my content structured. I want to have this series built. It's now September. I've recorded nearly all episodes until March next year. Uh, So when people say, can I come on the show? I'm replying, well, I'm not looking for guests now. I'm going to have a, like I'm doing what I'm doing, come back to me next year. And I send them that message what percentage of them do you think will actually follow up next year and come back and say, you said come back to me next year. Here I am. I'm still really interested in coming on your podcast. Here's my content. Probably like 1%. <laughs> it's probably less than that. I'm really um, not expecting any of them to do that. In general, when I put people off and say, like I'm not ready yet, come back then, they generally never come back they just don't follow through and if they don't follow through and come back how can we ever build a relationship how can we ever connect how can we find the value the people who don't do follow through do you remember Eric Finnegan that we did the episode on cold emails yeah like he follows through he comes yeah. back to me he says let's speak in six months and then we speak in six months and we build a connection and it might not be right now but It does work later. And it's incredible how that produces long term connection and long term business. It's also challenging to do because you're like, I want results now. Why aren't they replying now? Come on. From your work through these Brian Tracy videos, what did you feel resistance to? Was there any of it that you thought, don't like that? Not sure about that?
1: I honestly didn't feel any resistance. It's all very, I mean, except for the, like, long-term game, but I'm just, like, I'm just accepting that I need to just be, I um, just need to be, I guess, a networker. You know, I need to just foster, follow up, you know, reach out, stay on the radar for people um, more so than I ever have.
0: So Yes, because that's one of the challenges is, is that regular connection and staying on that person's radar so that when they are ready to book someone to do the service that you provide, the photography, the content creation, you're the first person they think of because yeah. the danger is they come to book someone and someone else has just regularly contacted them. And the first person they think of is Fred from the other side of town, or you know Jane from over there. It's not Christina and Fresh Print Media because you only contacted them once and then trusted them when they said, "Oh yes, I'll get back to you when I need something." Yeah. And but you can't trust that because, well, I forget. I say that I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'll come back to you if I need something like that." And then when it comes to needing something like that six months later. I'm like, I know there was someone I spoke to about this, but I can't remember who it is. So I'm just going to Google someone else and I mean to do it, but I can't always remember. I definitely can't always remember. So what's the top, top things that you got out of this session, watching these videos that you're actually going to implement in the next week or so?
1: Uh, so the top thing that I've gotten and already started implementing, and I can tell you how, is <laughs> just,
0: um, fostering relationships and follow-up. So how have you implemented that? How are you actually using that? Cause it's a lovely thought. Let me foster relationships, but then what does that actually mean when you practically apply it to business?
1: Uh, so I've been reaching out to some people. So I set some coffee meetings next week with people Ooh. that. Yeah, so there's a kind of a bunch of stuff. So this inspired, I got inspired by these videos. And I was like, okay, here's people that I should <laughs> follow up with in, uh, in a- other ways or actionable ways. So one of it is just going back through and people that, because now I'm adding a facet to my business with this studio, where I'll be able to do studio rentals for smaller shoots, film, workspace, creative space. So there's some people that I know kind of work more in the creative space, not necessarily you know, selling a product, but they, A, might need the space for some, a project that they're working on. And B, there's always opportunity that something comes to them where they don't have a photographer attached or they, it's not their business or they're not really their specialty. And it's good to be top of mind because I often refer work to other people. So it would, it's good to be top of mind to get the opposite. Um, so I set up a, I reached out to a photographer that, lives nearby that I've gotten to know that does more or less the same thing as me, but different style. So I don't think we're direct competitors. Um, and I just, you know, reached out, touch base, see how she's doing. So I haven't heard from her in a while. Um, so it's just kind of fostering that side of it. There's another guy that responded. Actually, he owns a kombucha company and he responded to like my fourth email. I think saying this is <laughs> just, just saying, this is me with a link to his website and he's a photographer as well, but much different style. But you can tell that this stuff on his Instagram is like professional, but definitely different style um, than what I do. And I said, like, oh, fantastic. This is great. Like, I love your work. And I added him on LinkedIn. And it looks like he has had a studio here in L.A. And so then yeah, I thought, you know what? Because I was just like, I was a little miffed, to be honest. So he's like, oh, this is me, just at the link. And I was like, oh, so you're a <laughs> photographer too. Ooh! But then I looked at it, I was like, it's totally different. And I was like, well, why not just like foster? He might get a project that comes to him. It's not his style. And he's like, oh, that girl does that kind of stuff. So um, I also just reached out and said, hey, it looks like you've had a studio in LA before. Can you give me any recommendations? I was thinking of using Peerspace to rent. And he's like, oh, yes, I have lots of experience with this. Uh, Here's my number. Like, let's talk. And so I just. awesome. Yeah. So I reached out and I set a coffee meeting next week. And then um, I had a food stylist reach out who's like, if you have any upcoming projects where you need a food stylist, which I might very well. um, And I just responded. I said, oh, it's great to meet you. You know, I'll keep you in mind. And then I thought about it. And then yesterday I reached out and said, hey, do you want to get coffee? Because, again, she might have someone that comes to her with a project that doesn't have a photographer attached, you know. So um, stuff like stuff like that, I've reached out to some other people that I just haven't talked to in a long time that are in adjacent spaces. So
0: If you haven't connected with them and seen them face-to-face, like the food stylist, if you just reply saying, oh, yeah, I'll come back to you when I've got something, if you haven't built the relationship – you don't trust that person's work. They don't trust your work. You don't know each other that well. The likelihood of that actually transitioning into meaningful work is very slim. Whereas if you've had a coffee, you've connected, you've made friends, you've shared some ideas, you share some work, you meet a couple of times, then they're going to start thinking of you first. And it's far more likely to turn into meaningful work. But if you don't do those coffee meetings, if you don't network around those people you just don't build the relationships that actually lead to work so i love this so you're booking coffee meetings you're going to see people face to face have coffee stare them in the eyes (laughs) and make friends this is which is actually
1: it's much more comfortable than um, phone calls like it would be great to just sit behind my keyboard and like do but i think you know facetime or voice is really important Um, and, and an in-person is much more comfortable to me than, than a phone call. So if I can, I think it's great to be able to meet people in in person.
0: I would totally agree. It was way easier for me to meet people because then I can actually see them face to face, ask them questions, get interested in them, connect with them. I found phone calls like to me, the purpose of the phone call was to get a meeting. That was the, the whole purpose because I knew phone calls. I just couldn't build the connection enough to be able to get where I wanted to. So did Brian Tracy have anything on using the phone to get to the meeting, to get to the piece of work? What did he teach you about that?
1: I haven't gotten too, seen too much of that. Um, so I think because a lot of his videos are probably very much based in still using the phone. He did have a video specifically for working remote and like, you know, working from home as far as, um, that, but even in that, he said, leverage phone calls, utilize video messaging. Again, those seeing, uh, hearing inflections and everything that you can't really get through an email. So, but I think a lot of this is very much based on still like utilizing a phone as part of it. Um, or in-person meetings, he's very, one of his videos, he's like, you know, nine to five people are in the office. People are available. You are not doing paperwork. You're not doing admin time. You were, you are reaching out. If your customer's available, you are doing customer FaceTime, whatever that might be. I love that. He's
0: exactly right. He's exactly right. Like that's the sales hours. (laughs) If you don't have business, that's the time to sell. It's not the time to watch his videos, uh, to do other stuff. Um, It's the actual sales time. And I would add one small piece to that is people think, oh, it's Friday afternoon. I shouldn't do sales calls because people will be busy. (laughs) Or it's, you know, 8 a.m. before work. I shouldn't do sales calls because people are busy. Actually, I've found that those are the best times to do sales calls. Because if you do it on a Friday afternoon, people are quite often relaxed, thinking about the weekend. They're more open to have a bit of a chat. Um, If you do it at 8am, it's before the front desk gets in. so You quite often get through to who you want to get to without being blocked by a receptionist or someone else. And it's really interesting as you start to make more calls, you just need to do, you just need to do it. It's just the number of calls we do. It's the amount of connection. It's the reaching out. Did he cover anything about the volume of calls, the sales, the like how many you had to do?
1: No, not, not yet. I mean, he gave like percentages, like if you're under what you want and this is your conversion rate, then this is how much, you know, up it certain amount but no no hard numbers.
0: So what are you thinking about the volume of your outreach that you need to do currently?
1: Um,
0: just more. <laughs> <laughs> just more. Oh, just more. more. So more could mean one. It could mean anything. What are you actually planning in terms of – because we spoke last time about the – 20 companies of this type, 20 companies of this type, 20 companies of the next type uh, that you were going out to and reaching out to. Yeah. Where are you with your lists of different companies? We had the old list that we were working through with the Eric Finnegan emails. Yeah. It feels like we have lots of different lists in different places.
1: Well, there's two active ones right now. So it's about 40 companies. So I'm sending about, on average, 40 emails a week right now.
0: Um, Awesome.
1: And then I'm building, I'm working on the new, like, kind of, I call them waves. So I'm working on the new wave. (laughs) Um, And I need to get back and revisit the old one. But I know that that's going to take a little, like, researching because some of those people have moved on or changed. So that always takes research time. But we're We're about forty emails a week um i have I do have on my Instagram with engagement like reaching out to the same companies um in mm. in other ways, not necessarily direct but commenting and being active on their profiles and uh you know outside of that um I just need to reach out more to i think past contacts past clients um following up, seeing how people are at or where they're at, how they are. And one of the things I was thinking is just when I call people is writing myself, I want to write myself a list of questions and op- ask the open-ended questions like both Brian Tracy and Chris Voss talk about, open-ended questions and talk about, and we talked about these last week, the, um, you know, oh, well, where? how do you do that? Where do you do that? What's your process? More like asking about their business instead of telling them about what I do. Kind of information gathering in a
0: way yes the information gathering part of this process is very important because that's that's the first step to any sale is understanding what they do the questions i would be asking is so how do you get the content for your marketing for this beverage like how do you produce it how do you come up with the ideas how do you create it how does it flow through how do you measure whether it's working for you or not some really I, I'd be fascinated I'm fascinated anyway can we get them on the phone together Christina now and make the phone call because I'm interested
1: <laughs> maybe <I don't>
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> so it's those questions you want to ask and connect with and sometimes you ask one question and it leads to an entire 30 minute conversation about what they're going and what they're up to it's really fascinating have you had a chance to practice that yet or you still just need to write the questions to get ready
1: I need to write the questions to get ready. I have some ideas from last our last call to as a jumping off point, and then I have some kind of framework, especially from the Chris Foss book that I can use as well. And one of the things he talks about is asking how questions, which I, you just used a bunch of how questions, but because they they make your counterpart solve your problems for you. <laughs> so it's like how how are, how is this going to happen you know it makes them kind of tell you how they want it to happen i thought that yeah, was they fun
0: tell you what's going on they tell you what they yeah. want and how they want it to work and they'll tell you the normally they'll tell you their dream version of this is how i would love it to work this is how it currently works and you can even build that into your questions okay so that's how it currently works is there a way it could work for you better? Like, how would you ideally have this process working for you uh, would be an interesting question. I think this is something important for everyone listening to this to do right now is what are the questions you want to ask your clients when you get them on the phone, when you get them face-to-face, when you get to a meeting, what do you actually want to ask them? I think this is a fascinating exercise. So if you're listening to this right now, I'd love you to write down what's the five questions that you are going to ask to understand these people. It's so important. The quality of your questions will directly determine the quality of the answers you get. Ask a rubbish question, get a rubbish answer. Ask an insightful question, you'll get a pondering person who'll give you a really good answer. And Simon, my business partner likes to say the quality of the question you ask is determined by the length of pause that people have before answering it. So if they can just answer it off the top of their head, you've probably not asked that insightful question. You're not making them think. If they really struggle to answer the question, you've really got them thinking. So Christina, what are the five questions you would like to ask these potential clients to be able to understand them better,
1: see, I like yours though How do you get the content for your marketing or you know campaigns, et cetera language we could tighten that up but how do you get your video and photo content? How could it work better for you or yeah, how is it yeah, how could it work better for you? I think is good.
0: Um, I think that's probably one of the last questions to ask okay before we've understood them because at the moment we've just got sort of the process at the moment and there might actually be some more questions around their process what they do all of that sort of stuff before you get on to how could we improve this okay what else mm-hmm. would you want to understand about them mm.
1: I mean, so many things. I don't know if they're things I would directly ask them. <laughs> like, I want to know, is it, or is it just, you know, is it one person in charge of decisions? Is it a team decision? Is it Ooh.
0: like, how do you decide what content you're putting out? Who do you work with? How, how does that work? How do you decide what campaigns you're going to run? Who does it with you? I think that's a lovely question.
1: See so you just said it better, in a more better way to ask it. <laughs> how do you decide what campaigns? Maybe what are... Well, We had one from last week I really liked. Have you worked with photographers before? Or have you worked with, I guess, outside
0: photographers before? I do like that question. I think there's one before it. So if you've asked, how do you decide what campaigns you're going to run? Who makes the decisions? Like, how do you come up with the ideas? I've got a question that I think becomes between those after they've decided on the idea what do you want to know
1: you've decided on the idea what's the process on finding a content creator how maybe it's not even
0: it? directly like finding the content creator but it's a generic or not generic a more broad question of so once you have the idea how do you implement it Like, Mm. what's the creative process like? You go from, you know, you've got your team round, you've decided, oh, yeah, we should do this campaign for Halloween. We've got these ideas. How do you then implement it? Who creates the first visuals? Who do you speak to? How how does that process work? Like, I'd be intrigued to find that out. Then we're starting to get to the stage of, how can I fit into this process (laughs) and help you?
1: Yeah. How have you worked with photographers before and what went well or didn't? Mm. And then how could, how could this work better for you? I mean, that's kind of the same as what went well or didn't. Right. But I mean, I guess you're asking, I feel like when you're asking, how could it work better? You're asking about the whole process.
0: Yeah. And I think there's one other piece that I would be interested in personally, which is how do you measure the results of these campaigns? like how do you know if it was a success for you what are the numbers what are the thoughts is it a feeling is it customer reaction is it reach on social media how do you measure these results and know what to do next and does that feed back into the start of the process deciding what to do next i'm i'm just fascinated
1: maybe that's like that's after the how do you implement yeah that gives me six questions
0: <laughs> that seems like plenty. Um, yeah. I feel like any one of those conversa- uh, questions would kick off an incredibly great conversation with someone. Now your task is to ask some people.
1: Yeah, and I think even for these like coffee meetings and stuff, even though they might not specifically be with someone that is, you know, selling a product at a business that I want to hire me directly, I can like look over this and retool them. I think I'm going to have a higher level of research and preparation moving forward for stuff, because I definitely feel better if I've thought about the specifics, the conversation, like a bit of a script, loose script. So I think I'm going to go into these meetings with a higher level of preparation than I ever
0: have. So how would you retool these questions for people in your network that are other creatives?
1: Uh, so I think I would say, you know, how do you I think it depends on, for this question, it depends on the level of like how close you are. But you could ask if you're, if you have a better, you know, a closer relationship with someone, you could ask, how do you find clients? And you could also make that a like, here's what I've found helps. What, how are you finding clients? So it's more of a share, you know, back and forth.
0: I love that. I love that. How do you find clients? How are you working on it? What have been your best clients? What have you enjoyed the most?
1: Yeah. I like Um, that because that's not, that doesn't, it could come off. If you say, how do you get clients? It could come off a little, you know, bad.
0: (laughs) Tell me your process. I need to know how you get clients so I can copy you and steal them all. No, but it just depends on the way you ask it.
1: Yeah. But even like the person, like the food stylist. So that might be a good person to ask that direct question because we're not trying, we could actually book them together rather than being in direct competition. To say, See, I love time, that. You know? So, I think that um, it it really varies, uh, I guess, on the person. I say, you it's know, easier when
0: they if they're tr- not direct competition. It's yeah. far easier. And with the food stylist, you could easily ask, "Have you ever collaborated with other people to win clients together?" Mm-hmm. And that would be an interesting question to find out if they had what their experiences were, because finding that little community of people that you're all trying to book the same clients, but for slightly different things. Like, yeah, we don't need to duplicate all the sales work all the time if we can do it with other people.
1: Yeah, um, and then uh, how do you instead of how do you decide what campaigns to run? Uh, maybe how do you select which jobs to take? Let's see, or do you have maybe it's more like um, who do you work with? Do you have a team on your end?
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah. Do you have a group of people you collaborate with? Yeah. How do you work? How has that happened? I think that's a fabulous question. And that'll you'll start to really understand the network of people that work in your industry around you. And I'm always amazed how small and tight the networks are in every industry. And I don't care what you go to, you end up going, oh, do you know this person? They go, yep, I know that person. We've worked with them. We've worked with them. And there's like 10 or 15 people that everyone knows that are the people in that industry, in that space. And I don't care whether it's selling photocopiers, whether it's photography, it doesn't really matter whether it's food. There's 10 to 15 people in your area, in your industry that you probably ought to know and be networked with and probably become one of Uh, (laughs) that everyone knows. These are the people to speak to in this industry, in this area. And it's normally, it's, it's crazy how small a list it is. It's always small. I don't care yeah. what size your industry is. It comes down to a few people that are making it happen.
1: Yeah. And uh, moving into, I think with the once you have an idea, how do you implement it? Um, It could be the same. Like once you start on a project, you know, what's your implementation? What's your workflow?
0: That'd be really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I'm just curious. I'd love to know. How do you do that? Like once you've got the idea, how do you implement it? How do you create it?
1: Because all of these are opportunities to also offer help, which endears you to people more and say, oh, I, you know, I haven't tried that, but I've tried this. Have you tried this? Like I've found this useful. Maybe you should look it up uh, or try it. So I think it's an opportunity to not only ask, but like offer something yourself, you know.
0: One small piece of this is the abundance mindset. There will be some people you speak to that realize there is an abundant amount of work for all of us if we work together. And there'll be other people you speak to who are back off. There's not enough work. Your competition. Get away from me. And that's okay. But I just wanted to warn you, there might be a couple of these conversations you go into where they're just, they don't think quite like we do. They don't yeah. think there's enough work for everyone and you probably want to get to know them and then avoid them, uh, yeah. <laughs> and leave them to it. But there are a bunch of people who will be thinking, Oh, there's plenty of work. We'll work together. We'll find good deals. They're normally the most chilled out, the most relaxed ones because they have enough work themselves.
1: Yeah. I've been, I've, I, I mean, I used to be that way, like a very competitive and now I realize that there's lots of work and, especially in a creative field, there's lots of stylistic differences. And if someone wants that person's work, they're not going to hire me unless they're just trying to be cheap. And they they think that I'll do it for less potentially. But for the most part, if someone really, really wants a specific thing, uh, then, you know, it's not direct competition, but there, yeah, there, there are those people. And I used to feel more like that. (laughs) <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm aware, but you know, these, these girls I'm friend with, I uh, was on their podcast and they, all they do is talk about Cause they do the same thing. All they do is talk about and build this community around sharing information, sharing, you know, rates, because it helps all of us. If, if everyone is charging what they should charge and doing a good job and, you know, helping each other and means that there's fewer people out there undercutting and undercharging and, there's still going to be those, but you know, if you build, build up the community, I think it helps the industry overall.
0: Definitely. Definitely. So it's come to that time in the podcast where I'm going to ask you, what are we going to do next? What are we going to do with this? I feel like we've had a a shift in energy. You've been inspired about sales and we need to get Mm -hmm. out there. You've got the coffee meetings, which is fantastic. I will be checking in to find out how those go on the next episode. What else do you think we should do? How else are we actually going to make this happen over the next, over the next two weeks before our call?
1: I think more, more meetings. No, I'm going to go back through my, (laughs) uh, both client lists and just adjacent people, you know, even they might be personal contacts, friends who I haven't, spoken to in a bit and just reach out and say, Hey, how are you? Not even like about business, not even, you know, um, even if I want to invite them to check out my studio or whatever, I'm not going to bring it up. I'm just going to say, Hey, how are you doing? I actually did that to someone yesterday. And, um, I think, you know, we were, and she, she was like, wait, what's up? What do you want? And I was like, oh, I, was just thinking, <laughs> I was just thinking about you. And she's like, Oh, well, what's going on? And I was, I just wondered how you were. I haven't talked to you in a while. And she, she goes, Oh well that's nice. <laughs> so, <laughs> I like I think there's something nice about, you know, trying to reach out when you don't need anything. So gonna review who I haven't heard from in some time that, you know, I should reach out to.
0: I think that is a brilliant way to do it, and you're exactly right. Most people wait until they need something to contact someone rather than doing it when they don't need something. Then you top up the friendship bank accounts, you connect, you make friends. It's lovely. Then when you do need something, it's really easy to reach out to them because they're not just thinking, oh, you only call when you need something. They're actually way more happy to help you. So I think that's a fantastic idea. So we've got connecting with the contacts and friends going back through the client lists that you've got. What are you going to do with those client lists?
1: So I—I I mean, we're just gonna keep on the emails, but I'm gonna start calling some of the people that I've been a few emails deep into now, and just ask open-ended questions, or you know, or say, or ask, depending on what happens. Um, try to get directed to the right person
0: if I have the wrong person. Absolutely because sometimes that happens you email someone for like six times <laughs> and then yeah. eventually they go why do you keep emailing me i'm not even the right person and i yeah. always yeah. think why didn't you tell me at the first email then but you have to yeah. go through that process and eventually they tell you they're the right person or not and you're able to get around them and in terms of the learning of the sales what's the next action on that what are you going to what are you going to learn look at what do you fancy working on before our next call.
1: Well, I'll keep checking out the Brian Tracy and then I'm going to see if I can get the book that you recommended, the ultimate
0: sales machine, the ultimate sales machine by Chet Holmes. I think that's probably enough by the sounds of it. That's going to keep you busy and you've got to set up your new studio and you've got to do all this other stuff. This is probably enough to keep you going on the sales front for the next (laughs) couple of weeks. Probably. And I'd love to know, based on what you have experienced and learned over the last couple of weeks on sales, what would your advice be to the audience, to the people who are out there trying to make sales, nervous about making phone calls, not sending the emails? What would your advice be to the people listening to this right now who are going on the same journey as you are, Christina?
1: I would say, first of all, just accept and embrace the fact that it's a long game, it's a long term thing. um it's not a vending machine where you put something in, get something <laughs> out directly. Just really live in that and put on your cozy shoes and like yeah, just commit um uh, because you know it's hard when you don't see anything and then second of all, it's all about relationships and listening and understanding people's needs wants, et cetera. So it means you about- actually have to talk to them so <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's all about relationships and listening and actually that should bring us to the homework for everyone listening to this episode it is reach out to 10 people this week and better understand what they're doing preferably clients if not clients or prospective clients, then people in your industry you could possibly partner with. That's a good second best, preferably clients. But reach out to 10 people, ask them some how questions, connect with them, really understand what they're doing and what they're up to and listen deeply. That's your homework for this week. We would love to know how you get on. So send us a message. Let us know how you get on. Christina and I are doing exactly the same thing as we get along with our businesses. Your homework for this week is to reach out, connect, listen, and ask questions for 10 people. Sounds good. Cool. Well, that is the end then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go, go call 10 people. Have fun. The Rebel Finance School is back. I'm so excited. (laughs) My wife, Katie, and I are here. We are bringing back the Rebel Finance School for this year's version, RFS 2022. And we will be running for 10 weeks, helping people to get control of their finances. Can't wait. It starts on Monday, 23rd of May, uh, runs for 10 weeks. It's completely free. It'll be online, runs every Monday for 10 weeks. And we're excited to help people figure out how much money they have, how much money they spend, how to talk to people in their lives about finances, and how to look after the money that they have, and how to build wealth and start to invest. Can you answer these questions? How much am I spending each year? What is my annual spend? How much am I saving? What is my percentage savings rate? When can I retire and will I have enough money to live? What is the investment strategy for retirement? What's my net worth? Like, can you confidently answer these questions? If not, then you've got to come along. All you need to do is go to rebelfinanceschool.com, sign up, and Katie and I are giving away our 10-week course. This is our way of giving back after we've reached financial independence. Yes, we've seen that the way that people can get in a bit of a pickle with money, we want people to avoid that pain. And it's our way of giving back and helping people with their money. So please tell your friends, your grandmum, your babies, everyone. Rebel Finance School is back. You can find it on the Rebel Business School social media and share it there. Or you can find me on social media and share it there just please tell people about this. We want to make a genuine difference in people's finances with the cost of living crisis, with high inflation. Now is the time to help people take control of their finances at Rebel Business School. Let's do this, Alan. Sign up, rebelfinanceschool.com. You can have any life you want to. Choose to build something cool. Choose to take action. Choose to work to make your dreams become reality. Stand out. Be different. Be yourself. Be a Rebel Entrepreneur.